Let us now hear the words of the Lord from John 14, verses 23 through 29. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's passage is one from John's Gospel that we have been looking at for the past three weeks. And this one today is particularly one that I, I like a lot for several reasons. And it's a culmination of some of the things that uh, Jesus is saying to his disciples, getting them ready for when he will be leaving them. This whole chapter has several themes, but there's one theme in particular that he begins with in the first verse of this chapter 14 that says about keeping our word and keeping his word. There's two ideas here. Do you remember when a handshake really meant something? Back in... Today, business transactions were often conducted with a simple handshake. There wasn't the need for a contract or a written verbatim of what was agreed upon. And the handshake meant that each of the two parties would keep their word. Times change, I suppose. That still is the case in some places. But today, the world has changed a lot. Keeping one's word is an ethic and a moral that sometimes the world just doesn't adhere to. And so when you come across somebody who keeps their word in our culture today, that seems kind of odd and different. Because a lot of people say a lot of things, but they don't always keep their word or back up the words with their promise. So when Jesus says to keep your word, he means it. How many times have you made a promise that you couldn't keep? Me too, Cliff, too many. You know, sometimes I catch myself in the midst of making one of these promises, and it might not be a big, giant thing, But 
And in the midst of saying this is a promise, in a way, I realize the importance of those words, and I say to myself, well, by golly, Bob, you better keep these words. Because if we're not a people, if we're not a person who keeps our promises, then what are people going to believe about what we say? Or believe about us? We make big promises, like when we say, I do, right? But we also make other promises that aren't so big, but they are no less important. If we make a promise to somebody else, then we ought to keep that promise. We know that whenever God promises us something, God is good on that word. Back in the day of Noah, after the 40 days and 40 nights of flood, God said to Noah's family, I will never flood the earth like this again. And he set the bow into the clouds, into the sky, as a marker of that promise. And God's word is sure and true. Are our words sure and true? I am sure that many promises are made with good intentions, but we should be intentional about keeping those promises. So, really, that old saying that a man or a person is only as good as his or her word is very true, I think. What we say and how we back up those sayings and promises are critical. Jesus says that if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, Jesus was a man of many words. There's a lot of words we have of Jesus. If you have a red-letter Bible, you see all the red letters in your Bible in the New Testament of what Jesus spoke. And there are a lot of red letters in the New Testament, the four Gospels. Words of Jesus that we attribute to him. If anyone loves me, he or she will keep my word. So, first of all, we have to know what those words are, don't we? We can't keep what we don't know. So, we have to learn what are, in fact, the words of Jesus, if we intend to keep them. But it doesn't stop there, does it? My Father will love you and will come to you and make our home with him. That's a promise once and for all. You know, I've been thinking a lot about timelines lately. And I know my timeline from the cradle to my point in life now. But I've been thinking about my dad a lot lately, too. And I knew a part of his timeline. He was already an adult when I got to know my dad. But I saw him in his last years. And I think about the timeline in my human vision... But sometimes we think about God's timeline and God's time being different. Our loved ones are with God, those who have passed and gone on to glory, and they are continuing to keep the words of God in heaven. If anyone loves me, he or she will keep my word. Nobody ever said or promised you, I hope, 
that being a Christian was going to be easy. Just because you become a believer doesn't shield you from the stuff of life. Doesn't protect you from bad things that happen along the way. Just because you're a Christian. But the promise is that whenever we go through the ups and downs of life, we're not alone. That God is there for us. And God always keeps his promises. I love the promise of this verse. The very last two lines. So that we will be home with God. I think of Walter today about that. As Kirsten said, we know what he wants to be with Hilda again. And we can pray for that. And we are. Even as hard as it is for us in this life to let go of someone, sometimes that God's timing is perfect for an individual. And we don't always understand or see it. Hindsight's 2020. But when it's happening in the moment, it's much harder to understand and see. But the promise of this verse is powerful, in my opinion. Anybody remember this image? My mom and dad and my grandparents had this painting on their wall in the living room. And so when Denise and I got married, somebody in the family gave us a gift of this same painting. And I have not embarrassed to say that because of the wall it's been on for these 17 years, it's really starting to fade. We don't want to see our faith fade, do we? And there's a danger of that, that we go along so long as being a Christian for a long time, and what once got us to be on fire at one point now is maybe barely an ember. Our faith should not fade. It should stay strong and maybe even get stronger. But life has a way of tilting us and dealing with us in ways that are difficult. And I use these verses of John 14 quite often in a funeral because I think these words are so very powerful. I couldn't tell you how many funerals I've used this passage in John as part of the scripture reading for a funeral. Many in this church. And during this moment, I'll be beginning to read John 14. I'll look at the family sitting here oftentimes in the front row. And I'll look at them and I'll say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now that sounds kind of ridiculous. They've just gone through grief. They just lost a loved one. But the scriptures say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. That's the NRSV translation. But a different translation has these words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. If you have any money in your pocket, we just had our offers, maybe you don't have any in your pocket left, but if you have any money in your pocket, there is a statement that says, in who do we trust? It's on our currency. Is it on your heart? Is it on your soul? Is it in the language of your faith? 
It's in your money. It's right there, plain and simple. The words are there, inscribed on every piece of currency. In God we trust. But do we? Now, it's easy some days to trust in God, but some days it's not so easy. We can't let our faith or our trust fade. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Many times for a new Christian who begins to journey in the faith, we'll recommend for that new Christian, that new believer, to read the Gospel of John. It's not the shortest gospel. It's not even the easiest gospel to read. But John's gospel talks a lot about our faith and belief in Jesus. It's, in essence, the theology of the Christian faith in a nutshell. In a few chapters, we specifically hear some of the theology that Jesus wants us to know about and believe in. So all of John's gospel, from John 3.16 and other verses like that, to this passage in John 14, and throughout the whole gospel, you could say is God's love letter to us. Anybody remember high school days? Maybe you had a sweetheart in high school. Maybe some of you married that sweetheart in high school. That was my story. Remember writing love letters, love notes? Jenny, there's another country song by George Strait that talks about this girl passing him a note and he read it before the teacher caught it. Love letters are great. I have a box in my attic of all the letters and notes that Denise sent to me during our high school, my last year of high school, and then throughout college. And we were six hours apart. She was at IUP and I was at Temple University. And that was back before we had cell phones and email. It seemed like another part of the world. Love letters mean a lot. And if this John's Gospel is God's love letter to us, then we ought to cherish it. We ought to read it and know it, but we should cherish it because it speaks so much about the faith in which we believe. And that's what John wants us to do. He wants us to believe. A lot of times you'll hear me say in sermons and benedictions and things that our belief is one thing, but our action is another thing. We can think and believe a lot of things, but what we do is what gets noticed by a lot of people in our families, in our circles, in our communities. But fundamentally, we are a people of belief. And, in fact, a lot of people believe a lot of things. We used to think the world was flat, right? We believed that for a long time in our history, world history. What do we, what do you believe? Because a lot of what we do is driven by our belief. If I don't believe something, I'm probably not going to do anything about it. 
But if I do believe something, I'm probably going to do a whole lot about it. A lot of people believe in themselves. And that's not a bad thing. Self-esteem is a very important trait. And I'm always amazed at some of the young people. We say the young people today is, you know, they're entitled and the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know. I don't believe that. I'm around a lot of young people throughout the weeks. I see them on the field. I see them at the university. And I think we should be honored and proud of so many of our young people. And they exhibit, many of them, a strong sense of self-esteem. They believe in themselves. Somebody set them up to have that self-esteem and to be confident in themselves. I remember a coach one time saying, there's a very fine line between confidence and arrogance. It's a fine line, and sometimes it looks kind of fuzzy. But I believe that we have a lot of young people who have great self-esteem. What do you believe? What drives your actions is often the things that we believe. If I don't believe in something, I'm probably not going to do a whole lot about that topic. I believe. I believe. I could do a whole sermon series on the things that I believe. There's a lot of things that I believe. There are some things I wish I believed as strongly as my dad or grandparent did, or a mentor of mine. I challenge you this week to spend some quiet time throughout the week, somewhere, somehow, And just jot down some of the things that you believe. Start by saying, I believe blank. I'll begin and give an example. I believe in John Deere tractors. I believe in pickup trucks. I believe in apple pie and baseball and softball. I believe in music. I believe music says things that touch my heart in ways that I could never say myself with my words. I believe in church. I believe in Stroudsburg United Methodist Church. I believe in our secretary. I believe in God. I believe that when somebody is dying, they're not alone. I believe. What do you believe? Let us pray. God, we thank you for John's gospel and for these words of chapter 14. Because they are so comforting for us, especially in times of doubt disbelief, and grief. God, we know that 
we all share some common things in this life. The ups and the downs, the good and the bad. And we want to believe. Help us, God, to be stronger in our beliefs. Help us, God, to know without a doubt what we believe. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.